Hello, everybody. This week's parish is Parshish Lech Lecha, and the learning and the merits and the schusim of this podcast should be a schus for all the captives, should be freed and should be kept out from harm, and should be Elon Neshama for all the victims, and should be schus for Klai Yisrael and Neshmira for all of us. The parasha begins, Go, go travel from your birthplace, from your land, and Chazal tell us that this was the first of the ten Nisyanis, the ten trials that Avram Avinu experienced. There's a very interesting Medrash. The Medrash says, if you notice, that the words Lech Lecha are used twice in all ten of Avram's trials. In the first trial, the trial of Lech Lecha, it says Lech Lecha. And at the end, at the tenth and final trial, according to most opinions, the trial of the Akedah, it says, again, the Lech Lecha Eretz HaMariah, and you should go to the land of Maria, the land where of Harabias. And the Medrash says that both these trials, you know, I don't know which one's more difficult, says the Medrash. How do I know? They both have the same expression. They both have lech lecha. How do I know which one's a greater trial? Says the Medrash, because it says, Al Eretz HaMariah, since it mentions Harabias, that's the clue that tells you that the trial of the Akedah was a greater one of the two. And so on the Sefer, Josh Mordechai, that how in the world do we understand such a medrash? How can you possibly compare the Nisayan, the, the test and the trial of the Akedah to the test of Lechacha? Yes, Lechacha is hard. It's definitely hard to leave the place that you know and the land that you know. But Agash Baruch was promising Avram Avinu that if you go, I'll make you rich, I'll make you famous, I'll give you children. Wonderful, amazing promises. And we know people leave, people travel for much smaller goals. And he, comparing that to the idea of the Akedah giving up his only son he only had at his old age and killing his own son with his own hands, how can the Medrash possibly compare the two Nisanis, the two tests? And he brings a beautiful answer from Rabbi Yashif. Rabbi Yashif says, you're 100% right. There's no comparison between the difficulty of the Nisayan of the Akedah, the test of the Akedah and the Nisayin of Lechacha. But there's one big difference. You see, Lechacha, it was the first test. It was the first one. And there's nothing as hard as taking that first step. Everybody has big dreams. Everyone wants to do amazing things. Everyone wants to be better. And it's a process. And it's a process that goes our whole lives. But the hardest thing, the hardest thing is always to take the first step. Kol haschal is kashis. And therefore, yes, Lechacha was a much smaller test. But technically, since it was the first test, and Avinu had to step in and make a decision, I'm dedicating my life to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and he had to take that first step, that's what made Lechacha so special. And the Medrash can compare it, in a certain sense, to the test of the Akedah. And something we always have to keep in mind is that whenever we want to do something good, Yes, the Yitzhahara is going to fight us the hardest at the first step, but that's what makes it all that much more powerful and all that much more reward is going to come to us for taking that first step. After Avinu comes to Eretz Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu hits him with the second test, the second struggle, which is that as soon as he gets there, a huge famine breaks out, and Avinu is forced to go down to Mitzrayim. And as he gets to Mitzrayim, Avinu realizes that Sarah is a beautiful woman, and he's afraid that they're going to kill him to try to marry Sarah. And therefore, he asks her to say that she's his sister. And that way, he says, 
And all the Mepharshim struggle that we know that for a man to live with someone else's wife is one of the three things a person has to give their life for. It's an extremely terrible sin. And how could Avram Avinu do such a thing? How could he make such a plan that his wife will say she's his sister and she'll be forced to live with somebody else and be trans- transgress the prohibition of Eshesish? So I saw this year that the Sefer Ksav Kabbalah, one of the Tamidim of Kiva Eger, and a fundamental commentary in Chumash, he explains that Avram Avinu was getting divorced from Sarah. And he says that the Rambam writes the beginnings of Hilchas Kedushin, that before the Torah was given, and even after the Torah was given for non-Jews, it still remains this way, that marriage and divorce, there's no halacha of Kedushin or Nesuin. All it was was an agreement. People decide to live together and be together. They're married. And when they decide to separate and part ways, each one says, okay, look, goodbye. That's enough to make a divorce. And therefore, says Exavakabal, when Aramavinu said to her, say you're my sister, he was basically saying, say you're single. That's it, we're done. For the sake of survival, we're going to get divorced. And this way you can marry anybody else who, and this way we can, you know, we can move on and we can survive this thing. And then afterwards, hopefully we can come back. That was Exavakabal's explanation. And I saw in the Sefer Oil Maishi, it brings the Rabbeinu Bechaya, says the same thing later when Aramavinu goes to Avimelech and he does the same thing. He tells Sarah to say, He's her, she's his sister. It means the same thing. It was, it was, they were basically getting divorced to avoid the issue of being a married woman living with somebody else. But the Drisha brought in the tour in the end of Hilchas Matana, says a very different shot. And Sifzeh Chaman brings it down over here as well. He says that Avram Ravinu had a plan. You see, all the commentaries ask, what is this language Avram Ravinu tells Sari? He says, say you're my sister. Leman yitav li bavurech. So that they'll be good to me and they'll give me presents because of you. We know that Avramino later on in the parasha, after he conquers the four the five the four kings, and he's offered by the king of Zdaim all the all the booty, all the spoils of war. He says, No, I don't want anything. I don't want anybody saying they made Avramino rich. And Avramino refuses to take anything from anybody else. And yet here he's telling his wife, Say you're my sister, live with somebody else, and this way I'll get rich. What in the world does that mean? Says Adrisha, here's what Avramino was planning. Aravinu figure, look, we're going down to Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is a dangerous place. People, they're going to see Sarah, they're going to want to marry her, and they might kill me in order to marry Sarah. So what are we going to do? We're going to say that, look, Sarah's single. I'm her brother. She's a, she's available, but new, everyone's got a bid. right? You want to marry a beautiful woman, you got to pay good money. And all the nobles and all the rich people are going to try to give me gifts, and they're all going to fight over her. And there's going to create a whole competition amongst all the noblemen, it's like no one's going to kill Avram. You know, everyone's going to be trying to fight with each other. Who's going to be the guy who's going to get Sarah? And Avram's plan was that throughout this whole charade of Sarah being available and everyone bidding and trying to give money and presents for her, he'll buy enough time till the famine ends. And then he'll say, look, guys, sorry, no one paid enough and pack out back to Israel. The problem was that Pari came in, who kind of cut the line and no one could fight against him. And Pari took Sarah. But the plan was always that Sarah would marry, would not marry anybody, and would use this whole idea of her being a sister as a trick to cover and stall for time. That is the shot of the Drisha. It's a beautiful shot that answers all the questions. So I want to add on one more thing on this topic. The Gemara of Amitzia says that Rava used to tell the people of Mechuzah that from this passage you learn something else. Rava told them, if you want to become rich, told the people of Mechuzah, if you want to be Zeche, you want a skula, 
for Ashiras for becoming rich, show your wife's respect. Give them covet. Why, says, says Rabbi, you see here, that Avravinu got rich because of Sarah. Says Rabbi, all the money and all the bracha a person gets, it comes in the merit of showing his wife proper respect and treating her properly. So I saw in the Sefer Josh Mordechai, he brings some Atzanza Rebbe, who explains what's the reason for this. Why is it that showing your wife respect and treating her properly and nicely, why is that a schooler for wealth? He said it could be because we know that why are women so sensitive? Why do women need to be shown extra respect? Why does a woman get so offended if her husband doesn't, doesn't give her that proper respect? He says because there's a klala, there was a curse given to Chava of El Ishech Chukasech. You have a desire to find favor in your husband's eyes. And that was one of the curses that Chava was given. She was supposed to be dependent on her husband's opinion to a certain extent. And it'll be a big deal by her. Says the says the Tzanzarov, what was Adam Arishan's curse? His curse was Bezeas Apecha Teichalechem. You have to the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn your bread. Says the Tzanzarov, if, if a person is kind to his wife and relieves the curse that she has as a descendant of Chava, Akash Baruch says, No, Mida Kenegin Mida, I'll lessen the curse you have, Adam Arishan, and I'll give you Parnasa easily, and you'll get Ashiris. So something to think about whenever you're, you know, thinking about how to respond to your wife, to always go the extra mile to try to be a little nicer and show a little extra respect. You never know how it can affect your bank account. Hopefully you'll do well and be zeichet ashirs. Further on in the parsha, the parsha tells us how light is captured when the war happens between Stoim and the other kingdoms. And it says, And the refugee, the pullet, the one who escaped from the war, comes and tells Avram, that light was captured, and Avram begins a war against the other king. And Rashi says, who is this pullet? Who is this refugee from the war who comes to tell Avram? Says Rashi, this is really Oig Melech Habashan. And Oig came to tell Avram about Sdaim and light being captured, because Oig had ulterior motives. He knew that Avram would go and fight the war and try to save light. And his plan was that Avram obviously would get killed while taking on these four kings. And then he would be able to marry Sarah, who was this famous, beautiful woman who ever wanted to marry. Now, the Ruch asked the obvious question. That you see, the fact that Avramina would go to war against four mighty kings to save light, it is in itself a very difficult thing. All the Rishayim are struggling. What was Avramina's, so to speak, heter? How is he even allowed to go into such a dangerous situation to save light? So... If it's something that we can't even understand Avramino's permission to do it, how did Oig know for certain and be so convinced that Avram would do it, that this was his plan to go and marry Sarah? So he says, first of all, we have to understand, okay, what is in fact the answer to Rishayinu's question? Why was Avramino ultimately allowed to do this and why did he do this? Why did he risk his life to save light from the four kings? So we find in the commentaries, Few different shatim as to why this is why this is so. The Ramban writes that Avramavinu felt responsible for light. Light was only in Eretz Yisrael because Avramavinu was given this commandment to leave and to go to Eretz Yisrael, and light went along with him as his nephew and his trusted, you know, sidekick. And therefore, says the Ramban, because Avramavinu felt that he's responsible. for 
for light being here and Yisrael was happening to him, Avraham felt that it wasn't, so to speak, just a problem for light. It was his fault. And therefore, he's obligated even to risk his life to save light because since this happened through him, he's responsible. The Emes Yaakov says a little similar. He says that Avraham felt like he's a godfather, so to speak, he's a parent of light. He's not just his nephew. He's really responsible for him on a higher level. He's his patron. He says, why? He said, because Haran, Light's father, died because he committed himself to Avram Vinu's religion. He said to Nimrod, look, if Avram Vinu wins, then throw me in as well. And because Haran gave up his life for what Avram Vinu had taught, and therefore Avram Vinu felt responsible to Haran's children to save them no matter what. It's worth noting the Chasim Sefer points out that although Haran was not saved and he ended up dying at Kedesh Hashem, Haran was married he used to something very, very, very powerful. If you look through Sefer Brages and through the rest of the Torah, you'll see that all the women of Klai Yisrael, all the Imahis, are descendants of Haran. Starting from Sarah, then going on to Rivka, and then going on to Rachel Leah. And he says not only that, says the Chasm Sefer, that in fact, Mashiach ultimately comes from Rus, who comes from Light. Which means, says the Chasm Sefer, that Haran was Zeicha, he merited through his act of Messiah's Nefesh to be an essential part of Klai Yisrael throughout the generations up until Mashiach. But nevertheless, says the Emes Yaakov, that Avram felt indebted to Haran that he has to do whatever it takes to protect his children. The Radak writes similarly, that although the halach is that a person is not obligated to risk his life to save somebody else, don't stand by your brother's blood, does not obligate you to risk your life. It obligates you to do whatever you could, but not to risk your life. Says Radak, however, when it comes to relatives, it's different. Crave him, it could be you are obligated. The Sipurno says a different idea. He says the reason why Oig was so confident that Avravinu would go and save Light, said he didn't even know that Avravinu was related. He didn't know that. All he knew was that Avravinu was an Ivri. Like it says in the past, like Avram Ivri. Says the Sipurno because he understood, he knew that Light was an Ivri. He kept the traditions of Aver, the son of shame. Which is basically the first one, the one who who is still preaching that Kadosh Baruch was the only king, and therefore, since he knew that Avram and and Light were co-religionists, he figured he would go and risk his life to save him. So, says the Ruach Elio, we see something very powerful over here. All these reasons that Avram Vinu felt responsible, that Avram Vinu was of the same religion, Avram Vinu felt responsible because he was his relative. These are all things that not only did they were not only were they true, not only did Avramino go and risk his life because of them, but it was so obvious to everyone around. Oig Malachabashan was convinced that Avramino would do this. It wasn't a question in his mind that Avramino would go. And that's something that we have to recognize is that we have to take on, on this message for ourselves is that not only do we have to do what's right, not only do we have to learn from Avramino to do what's right, but we have to be. That it's so obvious to everyone around us that we're people who will do the right thing no matter what. And I saw the Drash Mordechai says that 
That can be why, of all places, the Torah decides to call Avram Avinu Ivri over here. We know the Chazal tells why is Avram Avinu called Ivri. Says Chazal, this is to be a, a, a message that Avram Avinu is somebody who is able to be Me'ever Hanar. He was able to be on a different side of the river. The entire world is doing one thing. Avram Avinu is on the opposite, on the opposite bank. He's doing the right thing no matter what. Says the Josh Mordechai, who tells us about Avramino that point right here, because it was something that everybody saw, that Avramino was somebody who would do whatever is right, no matter what, no matter what. And that's something we have to learn, is that we have to be people who do the right thing, and it has to be obvious to everyone around us that we're Ivrim, there are people who do the right thing, no matter what. I just want to end off with one last vert. Towards the end of the parasha, we have the story of Sarah and Hagar. And Tara tells us that after Sarah gave Hagar to Avram Avinu as a wife, Hagar becomes pregnant right away. And Vatakel and Sarah becomes, so to speak, light in the eyes of Hagar. Hagar, you know, she always thought Sarah was this huge sadekis. But now she sees that she became pregnant right away. And Sarah spends all these years trying to get pregnant. Obviously, she's a much bigger sadekis than Sarah, and she starts disrespecting Sarah. And I remember seeing a Medrash once, can't recall exactly where it is, I have to find it still, but the Medrash says that why in fact was it that Sarah has such a hard time getting pregnant, and Hagar gets pregnant right away, and we find through all the Yimais, all the different mothers of Kleistral throughout the parishes that are coming up, that you all have a hard time getting pregnant, and Hagar here, boom, she was pregnant right away. Why is that? So we all know the famous Gemara that Kaj Baruch who wants the prayers of Tzadikim. The Medrash says another point. The Medrash says, I'll give you a muscle. The Medrash says, you ever go to a garden, you see something interesting. You see, to plant roses or beautiful flowers, it takes lots of lots of work. You have to make sure the soil is clean. You have to water it. You have to constantly take care of it. But thorns, says the Medrash, they just pop up anywhere. You don't want them there. You don't do anything. You try to stop them. And they just creep up and creep up and they come out. Says the Medrash, to get someone like Yishmael, you don't need to do anything. Boom. That's it. Right away, Hagar gets pregnant. To get somebody like Yitzchak, to get the next leader of Kaisal, to get one of the others, it doesn't just happen. It requires tefillahs and effort and work because anything that's worthwhile in life, it has to be created. It has to be invested in. It has to be put through years and years of toil. And that's why, says the Medrash, Sarah and Hagar had such different experiences because Sarah was creating something that was going to last eternity, Yitzchak Avinu, where Hagar was just making thorns. As we all know, the famous Maral Diskin, who says that Yishmael is described in the Parsha as a para-Adam. And he says that in Hebrew, we always describe... We say the noun, and then we describe what it is afterwards. And he says, He's an angel of God. He says, a para-Adam means that he's not really an Adam. He's not an Adam para, a wild man. He's a para, he's a wild creature who happens to look like an Adam. And as we see right now, as we're suffering from Yishmael, something to always remember, who Yishmael really is, as the Torah describes him, he's thorns, he's somebody who's not really a regular Adam, he's a para-Adam, he's a wild creature, and Kaj Baruch Hu is the only one who could save us from him, which will be Zaycha to complete and total Yeshua, 
which all have a wonderful job.